change around my team. Yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up. Welcome to Podsquewee. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, this is the 161st episode that you and I have done. That in and of itself is insane. But it's also a first this week. Do you know what the first is? Yes. Yes, I do. The first time we would have a bye in the semifinals. The first time we'll be talking about the East final. In Hamilton. Am I correct? You are correct. When we started the show in 2015, it came the year after the Ticats finished first in the East and had a bye in the first round of the playoffs. And then every year since then, it's either been the Ticats are out of the playoffs like they were in 2017 or in 2015, 16, and 18 playing host to the semifinals. So for the first time ever, you and I, as co-host of the show – Got to sit back on Sunday, relax, and just take in some football. Did you do anything else on the bye week? Because, like, I felt – it was weird. I kind of felt out of sorts, like, not really having to write anything for three down, not having to prep a podcast. Like, I have, the, I have like, a template that I have on my computer here of what we talk about every week. And for the game review, it's just blank because there's no game review. It, it was weird. So, outside of watching the uh, the two playoff games, which we'll talk about in a second here, any, do anything else fun? Well, I got sucked into ordering a, a wrestling pay-per-view. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about I that, so did I. Yeah, I was not disappointed with it, uh, but uh, yeah, that's the only real notable thing. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, it's been, well, I can't even remember the last time I ordered a wrestling pay-per-view, so a bit of a flashback to my younger years. Yeah, all Elite Wrestling's full gear. I also watch it. It's funny, you and I were texting about it, give people a peek behind mm-hmm. the curtain. We were talking about like how much the pay-per-views cost nowadays, and I told you that I got the the all-out pay-per-view back in the summer, and uh, we were like, yeah, both of us were like mid midweek, we're like, yeah, I don't think we're gonna we're gonna get no. this. And then you sent me a text message. I I, I got I watched the pre-show and I, I bought it, and I just sent you back one. Yeah, me too. It, I thought it was a good <laughs> show. It was a fun show. Oh yeah, it was. A, I I enjoyed it very much. I'm very invested in that company right now. So. Doesn't it feel a little CFL-like, you know, like the little company that could? You're, you're kind of just rooting for them to maybe not like, – like, just like the CFL is not going to overtake the NFL. AEW is not going to take over WWE. But it's nice to have options. It's nice to have different things yeah. that you're able to watch and just and, – and there's there's always – especially like we deal with it, obviously, CFL, NFL, like the head-to-head versus stuff. And there's obviously WWE versus AEW. To me, just like being a football fan, just like being a wrestling fan, the more options, the better – it's just a great time to be a fan of like all this stuff because you have you have all like the XFLs coming. I hope that's successful. Too, you know what I mean? Like, just give me more of the stuff I like, and I'm going to be a happy man. 
yeah, yeah. Competition is always a good thing. It, it uh, you know, if you're watching WWE, it might raise their uh, level of, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for here? You know, they, they're they're gonna try harder. So yeah, competition is always a good thing. And uh, I just figured, you know, fifty bucks is a lot to pay for a pay per view, but uh, I don't have to pay it till next month, so I'll worry about it then. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's future Mike's problem, not present Mike's yes, problem, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let's talk about competition because there were a couple of games this past weekend that, I mean, the first one, the East semifinal, I thought was highly entertaining. I watch that. I, I watch Sunday football with my father. He wants to watch the Buffalo Bills at one o'clock. He he was he was okay if we wanted to watch the CFL game, but he really wanted to watch the Bills game. So we had the Bills game on the big screen. I had the the Edmonton Montreal game on the iPad on my lap, watching that, watching both. It was like, you know, you, you have to do in this day of multiple screens, you can do it all. So I didn't hear the game, but I did get to watch the game. I thought it was highly entertaining. The West semi, which we're going to get to in a second. I know you're going to, you, you must have had a huge smile on your face when that thing ended, but let's talk about the East semi first. We'll, we'll do a little, there's no Ticats game to review. So obviously, you know, they were on the bye. So let's let's talk about the East Semi. Edmonton beats Montreal 37 to 28. And I mean, I guess we kind of have egg all over our face. I came on here last week and said, I've been saying for months that whatever team went into Montreal as the Western crossover is going to get beat by three scores. You did say you thought this game would be a lot closer and that Edmonton had a chance to win. But we both took the Alouettes and here we are. Edmonton gets the victory and Trevor Harris once again put on an absolutely magnificent performance in a playoff game. Yeah, wasn't that disgusting? God. I mean, it was a beautiful thing, but I had flashbacks to the East Final last year. Um, uh, you know, a great game overall. I thought the the big thing for the Montreal Alouettes were, you know, rookie mistakes. Uh, Vernon Adams throwing some passes he shouldn't have thrown. Um, Kahari Jones, you know, making some questionable calls. Uh, he didn't challenge on a clear passenger or uh, roughing the passer call that wasn't called. Um, and then later on, he challenged a roughing the passer play that was clearly not roughing the passer. Um, you know, not going for two point conversions and then um, inexplicably going for two con- two point conversion when they're down three. Uh, just a lot of weird decisions by the coaching staff there. Yeah, it also felt like this was ramping up to be the cardiac alouettes. You know what I mean? Like right. all year they had done this where they were down and out. and They made these tremendous comebacks. I believe it was against Winnipeg, if I'm not mistaken. They came back down from like 20-something and, and won that game. And that's what this felt like. But, man, Trevor Harris absolutely on fire. And can we stop with the – like you and I have been critics of Trevor Harris – uh, I remember way back, way back when we <laughs> we got uh, we got a talking to from I think it was his brother after we dared to say that Trevor Harris shouldn't be the highest paid player in the CFL. Hey. I mean that's years ago now, but it's one of those things that always sticks out in my mind. But can we stop the whole Trevor Harris doesn't perform well in playoff games bullshit? Because this is the second straight time. Well, I guess not second because he did play in the Great Cup last year, but this is the second playoff game where he's been just otherworldly good. You know what I mean? So it's like the idea that Trevor Harris like chokes in big moments to me is is nonsense. No, it's a very small sample size too. To, yeah, he's to, played four to, playoff games. And he's two and two. Like that's pretty good. Yeah, you could say that he doesn't play as well in his second game of the playoffs. You know, yes, in the first hint, game. hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hopefully that's the case. Yeah, we do. Fingers crossed. But that was a 
uh, quite the display of quarterbacking. Um, you know, when when Trevor Harris is on his game, there is no one better in the CFL. Um, but the thing is, he's not. You know, he's inconsistent. So, you know, this last week he had a tremendous game. I'm hoping this week it will drop off dramatically. Yeah, and I think a lot of it does have to do with Mike Terrell. It seemed like they were playing a lot more zone defense, and there was always someone open. If, if Harris had to go to a third or fourth read, that guy was usually on the wide side of the field, wide open, because you know it's the CFL. You don't really def- you can't defend every inch of turf. So a lot, mm-hmm. I think a lot of those, a lot of the passes he con- he connected on were, were guys were wide, wide open. And that's not I'm not taking anything away from Harris. I just think that going up against an Alouette's defense that was the worst in the league against the pass. They were literally nine out of nine. I, I don't see them having, I don't see him, that is, having the same sort of success against the Ticats this upcoming week. But we'll, we'll get to a preview of the East Final a bit. Let's, let's switch over to the West Semi. And at what point, Mike, did you have a giant shit-eating grit on your face? Was it interception number two or interception number three that Bo threw? Well, every interception brings me uh, huge amounts of joy that both throws. <laughs> but the the big moment in this game was the bomb pass from uh, Zach Claris down the sidelines. To Darvin Adams to, for the touchdown? Uh, Darvin Adams, yes. And uh, that was, you know, the nail in the coffin. I, I know at the time you're thinking, oh, you know, they could still come back. But, you know, looking back on it now, that's the, that's the big play that changed everything in this game. And, uh, you know, it was – it was great to see um, Zach Caleros and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you know, put a whooping on the Stampeders, get them out of the playoffs. It's been uh, it's been a long, you know, dominant ride for the Calgary Stampeders, and it, it appears it appears to be ending at least for this season um, after a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, a year from now we could be talking about the Stamps back in the Grey Cup, but it wouldn't shock me one bit. Yeah. But it was it was nice. And again, this is nothing. I like. I know you don't really like Calgary. A, a lot of it's due to Bo, but like, I don't. I don't hate the Stampeders, but I do like that we're heading into uh, division final weekend, and we have what is it? Uh, Edmonton last won the Grey Cup in 2015. Saskatchewan in 2013. That's recent, but like Edmonton's a completely overhauled team. The Riders are a completely different team. And we got Hamilton and Winnipeg, and of course, fans of those teams know all about their Grey Cup drought. So it's, it, this feels new. You know what I mean? Like, this doesn't feel like, even in a nine-team league, we, we saw a lot of Ottawa. We saw a lot of Calgary, and it was it was rather boring, to say the least. So it's kind of nice to see a little changing of the guard here, even if it's only for, for one playoff run. But I thought this game, I, Winnipeg, in the first half, it looked to me like they were just hanging on for dear life, and it was like... It felt like Stamps games, you know, they kind of they, – they start a little slow and, and things start going, and then they find that gear in the third and fourth quarter and put it away, but the opposite happened. And it was kind of – it was the it was the long bomb touchdown from Claros to, to Darvin Adams that sort of opened this thing up, and then all of a sudden Bo starts getting antsy, and he, he starts throwing some picks, and it just kind of all snowballed from there. It, it was rare to see – the Stampeders look so discombobulated in this one, and to see the the Bombers just just play their brand of football. And it was interesting to see <clears throat> the way they utilized Strebler and Claros <laughs> in the offense. Um, I think I read a stat that Strebler didn't throw one pass um, the whole time he was in there. It was just rushing or handing the ball off, and 
I can't remember the last time um, a team with a dual quarterback system made it to the Grey Cup. So that's another interesting element uh, in this game coming up against the Riders. I mean, the only one I can think of, and I don't even know if, if I'd use because I don't think they used it. I know they didn't use it much in the East Final, and I don't think they used it much in the Grey Cup, was the Ticats with Henry Burris right. and Dan Lefevre. Like, Dan Lefevre yeah. scores the rushing touchdown to win the game in the East Semi in Guelph against the Alouettes, but I don't think he saw the field much in the in the two games after that. So this, this to me, is a very – this is the – what was it? Joe Barnes and, and Conridge Holloway, I think it was, with, with the Argos, like, back in, like, the 80s that would – that would go with this this two quarterback system. This is and, and it's two like Strevler comes in. I'm, I was watching like for the my this, this we put this one on the big screen to watch this one. There was like Strevler comes in there and it's like you know they're running and he was picking up eight yards a clip, ten yards a clip. You know what I mean? Like they knew exactly what they were going to do and they just couldn't stop it. It was it was quite a sight to behold. And he's injured too. I mean, uh, yeah, I, his, I heard his ankles all messed up. Yeah, so for him to go in there and. To put in the performance he did is, uh, you know, thumbs up to him. He's a tough, tough son of a gun. Well, I mean, that goes without saying. I mean, the dude's dude, like he was out there in like a flannel shirt <laughs> throwing like yeah. warm up passes. He just looked so typically Canadian. Yeah, he's uh, a tank. So was this is this sort of the best case scenario, do you think, for 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 the Ticats here in that there's now no chance that they play the Stamps? at home in the Grey Cup? Because I, I that was, to me, that was the overriding fear in my mind. So I, I still, and I've said this for weeks now, and I'll say it until they either lose or they win it all. This is the best team in the CFL this year, the Hamilton Tiger Cats are. My only concern was, oh, man, they're going to play Calgary in the Grey Cup at home, and they're going to, it would be so Tiger Cats have this great season, and that's what derails them. I know Riders fans will travel if they get there. I'm sure Bombers fans will as well. And I know that there's still a game against Edmonton coming up, and you can't discount that. But is was this the last major hurdle that really sort of makes you go, okay, now this is the Ticats to lose? Yeah, I think so. You know, playing against the Stampeders in front of their crowd would be would be tough, especially with the history of the Ticats going into McMahon Stadium and not being able to pull out a win. Uh, like you said, if the Riders are in it or if Winnipeg is in it, um, either way, they're going to have more fans than the Ticats have. And that's no knock against the Ticat fan base. We know they're, uh, you know, a very large and uh, passionate fan base, but it's just, you know, location, location, location. It's closer. Uh, obviously, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan is closer to Calgary than uh, Hamilton. So, um, yeah, I don't. I I would be very. I would have been very, very worried if the Ticats would have made it to the Grey Cup and they were playing the Calgary Stampeders at home. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it'd be no different if the Grey Cup was in Toronto and the Ticats were in it. That would be a very partisan yeah. Hamilton crowd. You know, even even okay. Ottawa maybe, but definitely Toronto. So, I, Ryder fans travel en masse. If they get to the Grey Cup, I think they'll snap up a bunch of tickets. But I feel like this is. I just don't feel like this Ticats team is going to get rattled in a big suit against the Stampeders, which would have been like 90, 10 in favor of the home team. I feel like that would have been tough. This feels like it won't be 50, 50, but the thing about gray cups and like you and I were at the last one, I went to the one in 2012. You've been at previous gray cups. It feels like the crowd's just loud the entire time. Now, obviously if, if the, the home teams in it, they're much louder on defense than they are on offense, but I feel like this is just going to be, 
I, whether it be Winnipeg or Saskatchewan that the Ticats potentially would face should they get past Edmonton in the East final, I just feel like it, I, I, I just I'm not worried now. That as as much as I would have been had the Stamps still had an opportunity. Because I think if the Stamps would have beat the Bombers, I think they would have gone into Regina and won. Yeah, I, I could have seen that too. And, you know, I like the matchup a lot better uh, against Winnipeg or Saskatchewan. Um, no offense to them. They're both really good teams. But um, I just think, you know, overall, Hamilton... You know, it's just a it's just a better team than both of those teams, and, and not to say that they're not a better team than Calgary either, but it's just you know the situation. So, um, Winnipeg or Saskatchewan, if we make it there, uh, I'll be pretty confident in this Great Cup game. I mean, you don't get to fifteen and three by accident in this league. That's a difficult thing to do. You also don't have five of the seven player slash coach awards have division nominees on your team by not being the best team in the league. And that's what the Ticats have five of the seven awards that will be handed out. Grey cup weekend have could, could potentially go to Hamilton tire cats players. Most outstanding player. Brandon banks will be going up against Cody Fajardo. Most outstanding defensive player. It's Simone Lawrence and Willie Jefferson. Most outstanding offensive lineman is Chris Van Zyl and Stanley Bryant. Most outstanding special teams player is Frankie Williams and Mike Miller. And for coach of the year, we have Orlando Steinhauer going up against Craig Dickinson. The two awards that they missed out on, most outstanding Canadian and most outstanding rookie, those in the East went to Montreal's Enoch Mwamba and Jake Weineke. And in the West, Canadian is Cam Judge and rookie is Nate Hawley. So, Mike, we're not going to talk about MLP. We've talked about that enough. There's no chance Cody Fajardo beats Brandon Banks for this award. I, I don't think... Like, I know that there's this there's a, there's this argument that's been brewing the last few weeks about this, but... I think we could put like, that's not going to happen, right? No, I don't think. I think Brandon Banks' season was much more outstanding than Cody Vajardo. and Cody Vajardo had a really good season, especially a rookie season as the starting quarterback. But Brandon Banks was just, you know, Brandon Banks. He he was phenomenal all season. Cody Vajardo's numbers this year are similar to Matt Nichols' numbers two years ago, and no one was making an MOP case for Matt Nichols and Cody Fajardo's the MOP from the West because Trevor Harris, Bo Levi Mitchell got hurt. Mike Riley played on a garbage BC team and then got hurt. You know what I mean? Like and this is nothing against Fajardo. He's established himself as a starting caliber quarterback. And I'm, there's the possibility that he could win an MOP in the future. He's just not winning it in 2019. This is Brandon Banks award. Now the rest of the awards, I think, Oh, okay. Coach of the year too. Honestly, this is the one area where the East-West thing bothers me because the two best coaches in the CFL in 2019 were in Hamilton and Montreal. And because there has to be a Western representative, Craig Dickinson gets this. He's got no shot at beating Orlando Steinhauer for this award. No, I don't think so. You know, they, they should just take the two best um, coaches, the two best uh, nominations, which would have been Kari Jones and Orlando Steinhauer. And, I, and I'm still going with Alondo Steinhauer if it's those two. So Craig Dickinson, yes, he, um, you know, his first year as a head coach, he did a, a, a very good job with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but, you know, 7-11 last year to 15-3 and this year, Alondo Steinhauer. Just, you know, the overall play of the team, the consistency, you got to go with Steinhauer. Well, Dickinson took over a team that went 12-6 and and finished second in the West. And got them to thirteen and five and first in the West. Like, okay, so that's an improvement. Steinhauer took over a team that went eight and ten 
a year ago and got them to 15 and th- like that's just a, a massive turnaround so obviously there'll be some people out that are, that'll vote for Dickinson most likely those are the voters in Saskatchewan but I don't MOP to me MOP and coach of the year are locks it's the other three where I think we have some interesting conversations here and let's start with most outstanding special teams players Frankie Williams the return man who I don't know if you follow Jeff. I, actually, I know you follow Jeff Reinbold on Twitter, but he was talking about how Frankie Williams led the league in all, pretty much every return category you can lead in. Going up against special teams demon Mike Miller. This is a weird one to me because I feel like we didn't see a ton of explosive plays from Frankie, especially scoring plays from Williams late in the season. And Mike Miller is one of those guys who, as sort of a, a gunner, as as the tackle machine out there. I'd like when these guys get some love, especially in these wars. I, mean, I always think of back uh, five, six years ago when Mark Beswick was the East nominee for most outstanding special teams player. I thought that was really cool. I could actually see Miller winning this. I think it, it comes out to special teams tackles versus return yards and touchdowns. And I could really see Mike Miller winning this. This to me is 50-50, man. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's, you know, Mike Miller is a guy that, you know, plays a position on special teams, you know, covering punts and kickoffs that don't get a lot of limelight. So I, I like it as well. Um, but if I had to choose, and I, my homerism is going to show here, I would go with Frankie. I think that all season long, you know, the touchdowns might not have been there in huge amounts, but the, the way he gave us good field position, you know, almost every single game was a huge asset to the Tiger Cats. For that reason, I would vote for Frankie. So for most outstanding offensive linemen, it's Van Zyl versus Stanley Bryant. Stanley Bryant is the two-time defending top offensive lineman in the CFL. No player has ever won three in a row. And with this, it's sort of like Van Zyl had an awesome year. One of my favorite pick Like, I mean, almost every free agent signing that this team made is in my top five. They made like eight of them. But Van Zyl's legitimately up there because of just what he did for this offensive line. He's never won the award. And sometimes these things, especially for offensive linemen, can be a bit of a career thank you. You know what I mean? Like sort of a – I think back to when like Denzel Washington won the Oscar for training day when he should have won it for like Malcolm X. But it's like, oh, well, we're going to give it to you for this because you, even though we didn't give it to you that because they didn't give they didn't give it to that because that's the year that they gave it to Al Pacino for Scent of a Woman who he should have won it. You know what I mean? Like sort of a, a, a thank you for – Hua. <laughs> I – I think people are going to go, and this this is sort of the silliness of, in voting, is they're going to go, if Stanley Bryant wins three in a row, is he the greatest offensive lineman in CFL history? Because he's not. I mean, he definitely is not. Nothing against Stanley Bryant. I think Chris Van Zyl takes this one home. Yeah. I You know, I didn't pay attention to Stanley Bryant, how he played this year. I'm sure he, I'm sure he was great. Um, I did, however – you know, keep my eye on Chris Van Zyl and you mentioned how great of a pickup he was. And, um, you know, I believe he's one of the, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why this offense is, is, is so explosive and, and, you know, our quarterbacks have so much time in the pocket. Um, he just had a tremendous year and he's getting up there in age, but he's not slowing down at all. So I would give it to him, uh, because of his whole career, he's never had it but also because he had a tremendous year. Most outstanding defensive player. This might be the closest battle of any of these awards because it depends on what you look at. Simone Lawrence leads the league in tackles for the first time in his career. 
leads the league in defensive plays, which is tackles, uh, knockdowns, interceptions, fumble recoveries, pretty much anything a defensive player can do. They add them all up. Simone led in that against Willie Jefferson, who was, I think, third or fourth in sacks, uh, had a ridiculous number of pass knockdowns, which is something that the talking heads have all been talking about. Willie Jefferson also just, he's just a, a beast. Like there's just, there's no denying that. Like this, six, seven, whatever. Yeah. Like he's, he's a dude who should be playing in the NFL, quite frankly. You know what I mean? Like he's like 27 yeah. years old, 28 years old. He should be terrorizing quarterbacks in the national football league. Why he's not. I mean, it's, it's our luck that he gets to apply his trade in the CFL and we get to watch him play every week, but he should be playing in the NFL. He's that good. I, I I don't know, man. I wonder if the two-game suspension for the hit to Zach Caleros is what will cost Simone Lawrence this award. And as ridiculous as it sounds, I could see some people out west, again, probably in Saskatchewan, holding that against him. So I'm going to lean slightly towards Willie winning this one. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I could lean that way as well, you know, for the reasons you mentioned. Saskatchewan media, perhaps. Um, the Winnipeg media perhaps leaning towards Willie Jefferson. But, you know, if, once again, if it was my choice, it would be Simone. I think Simone has stepped up his game uh, tremendously this season. We know he's been a great player for the Ticats over the years. Um, he didn't, he wasn't in the spotlight as much last year, but this year he's the leader of that linebacking core, and uh, he, he, you know, showed it on the field. He, he talks a lot, but he, but he walks the walk as well. So um, for all those reasons and the stats that, ha- that he has behind him, uh, I would go for uh, Simone. Who do I think is going to win? I- I'm going to say Simone. Okay, so let's, let's, let's do that. So you are you picking a Ticats clean sweep here? The five awards I, are up for him. You I are? Am. Okay, I'm going to agree with you on Banks. I'm going to agree with you on Van Zyl. I'm going to agree with you on Steinhauer. I think I'm going to lead Winnipeg's way on the other two. I think Willie Jefferson and Mike Miller take home those awards. So they win three of the five, which is not bad. What about the two that they're not up for? Most of the Canadian. We'll do, we'll do this quickly. Enoch Mwamba or Cam Judge? Uh, I think uh, I got to go Enoch Mwamba. Cam Judge is, uh, you know, had a, had a great year too. He's made some really big plays, including, um, I believe, the uh, pass interception that clinched first place mm-hmm. for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, but yeah, I, I got to go. I got to go with the other guy. All right. I, you know what? I'll take Cam Judge in the interest of being different. I think Enoch Mwamba has been so great for so long that I think it's almost taken for granted. And when a new kid on the block shows up and has an outstanding season, I feel like people will – that's more memorable to them. Like Mwamba was just his regular great self. So I'll lean ever so slightly towards Cam Judge. For rookie, Montreal's Jake Wieneke or Calgary's Nate Hawley. Interestingly enough, if Nate Hawley wins this – I owe someone a T-shirt, so I'm picking Weineke. Mike, who do you got? Yeah, I'm going with Weineke too. It's it's hard to believe that he's he's a uh, a rookie because you know the guy has made a ton of plays, um, you know, bailing out Vernon Adams at times. So he he's been really impressive. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go Weineke as well. Oh, I'm 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 really hoping. I don't. I mean, I, buying a T-shirt for someone's not a big deal, but man, it'd be really nice if he won. And- Rather not. I mean, hey, not. you know what? Props to props to Deb out there in Calgary for for nailing one of the two finalists. That's better at, at the beginning of the year too. That's better than any of us would have done. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Mike. Now it's time to talk about the playoff games coming up. We are going to save the best for last. That is Edmonton and Hamilton. Let's talk the West final first. One that 
I don't know if uh, if a lot of people would have seen coming. Winnipeg at Saskatchewan. This is one of the top three rivalries in the CFL. Ticats, Argos, uh, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. Those are, those are the top three, right? Yeah, I, I would say I would say so. Yes. Hamilton, Ottawa's getting in there too, but that's it. Seems that that either one team dominates that, and it's never as fun. But those are the top three, and this one in the West Final. I think I read somewhere this is the first time these two teams are meeting in the West Final since 1972. So it's been a long time coming. That I th- Mosaic's going to be packed. I think Bombers fans are going to travel there. I think this is going to be super fun. Uh, what do you What do you expect to see out of this game, Mike? Well, it's going to be interesting. I think the weather is supposed to be uh, pretty, pretty good, um, just like the East Final. Uh, um, you know, I think it's going to be above zero, I think I read. But it's it's going to be interesting, you know, to see how Zach Claros comes into Mosaic Stadium or whatever it's called now, the new stadium there. And, you know, it, there's a lot of great storylines to this game. Uh, I think, you know, CFL and TSN are loving that it's Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, because I think it's going to bring in a, a really big number for uh, for TSN. Um, no, it, it's 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 going to be a hard game to predict. Can Cody Fajardo keep his cool in his first playoff game? Will the Winnipeg Blue Bombers dual quarterback situation work out like it did last week in Calgary? Um, does Andrew Harris is he a big factor in this game? Uh, there's a lot of questions. Yeah, it's a very intriguing game. So here's two things that I've think, been thinking of. The last five years, the number one seeds in both the East and West have met in the Grey Cup. The last time a team went on the road in either the East or West final and won was both road teams in 2013. Saskatchewan went into Calgary and beat the Stamps. Hamilton went into Toronto and beat the Argos. A number three seed, which is what Winnipeg is, hasn't made it to the Grey Cup since I think it was 2005 and it was Edmonton with Ricky Ray that I think they went through BC and then Calgary or Calgary and then BC. I can't remember the order. And they actually won the Grey Cup that year. It is really hard, really hard to win two road playoff games. It's been almost, it's been 14 years since we've seen a team do it, but there's questions with Saskatchewan and Cody Fajardo is the big one, not just in his first playoff start, but he's hurt. And will he be able to, like, if he plays in this game, will he be able to finish it? Like, he tweaked it back and missed Saskatchewan's biggest game to date, which was a chance to clinch home field, which they still were able to do. But that was a, a pseudo-playoff game, you know what I mean? And he missed that mm-hmm. one. Is he going to be able to, to hold it up in this one? And if he doesn't, and, and a guy like Isaac Harker comes in who has very little experience against that Winnipeg oh, defense... I don't know, man. It, it, I think this all rests on whether Fajardo's healthy or not. And I mean, we know he's yeah. not healthy, but like, can he can he right. gut gut it through and, and get through the game? Yeah, and, and and me personally, you know, I've thrown out my back, um, you know, about three times, and it is, I'm not sure exactly uh, what it was with his back, but I can tell you that injury is very, you know, it's brutal. Uh, I don't know that anything's worse than back pain. It's up there, definitely. Um, anything can tweak it, you know. Uh, even like a slight thing, like a like a throw, if you if you do the wrong movement, it could tweak it. And and if their backup quarterback has to come in, Harker, 
they're going to be in a world of trouble because that guy just yeah, he's maybe he'll be something down the road, but he's not ready right now. They'll have to heavily, um, you know, lean on that run game with William Powell, and then you know William Powell is a hell of a running back, but yeah, they need to throw it a little bit. So yeah, it's it's a, definitely a big question mark. I don't know what is how he's feeling right now. I haven't heard any updates, um, but they better hope that he's ready to go. It's funny because with both the East and West final, we're here, we're starting to see people kind of rally around the the visiting team, and I get that because they're the underdogs. But it, I I wonder if part of that's sort of recency bias and the fact that we actually saw them play a week ago versus these two teams who played so well during the regular season, especially Hamilton. But Cal, or, I mean Saskatchewan finished thirteen and five. That's nothing to sneeze at. Having not seen them play this week, it kind of like out of sight, out of mind a little bit. And everyone's talking about how great Edmonton played, how great Trevor Harris played. And everyone's talking about how how Zach Caleros looks like. We talked about ourselves. Zach Caleros is, is, looked like the old Zach Caleros. And look at these throws he made and the, the two-quarterback system. And they, they bludgeoned Calgary and beat them at their own game. And Would it surprise you if either of these games ended absolute blowouts for the home team? Because that's what it feels like this is all ramping up to. We're, we're talking ourselves into making these games – and we'll, we'll go way more in depth in the East final in a second, but we're talking ourselves into, into turning these games into into much more entertaining or closer games than they should be. But like in the East, in the East final, it's a 15 and three Hamilton team playing an eight and ten Edmonton team. In, in the West, it's a lot closer. I think uh, Winnipeg finished 11 and seven, and Saskatchewan 13 and five. But are we just like because we saw these guys play last week, looking at it this week and going, I don't know, man, maybe this is going to be harder than you think. Perhaps, perhaps, um, but I, I still think both of these games are going to be fairly close. Um, you know, it's all on the table. Uh, this is what you play for, right? I mean, sorry to throw a cliche, cliches like that, but... Uh, <laughs> Captain Cliché, this is, it's, it's do or die, I, I am give 110%. I am King Cliché, <laughs> but uh, but it's the truth. Like, this is what they, they want to get to that championship game, and I don't think... Any of these four teams is going to lay a dud on uh, Sunday afternoon. All right. Before we go into the East final prediction, Mike, who you got winning the West final and heading to the Grey Cup? Well, you know, at the beginning of the season, I had Winnipeg, Hamilton, and the Grey Cup. And uh, I think I should stick with that. Um, you know, I think Winnipeg goes into Saskatchewan. I know it's going to be loud. I know it's going to be, it's going to be a very tough game, but... Um, I think it's Winnipeg's time to make it to the Grey Cup. You know, Mike O'Shea's been been the coach for a long time. They've been teetering on, you know, greatness. Uh, I think this is where they get over the hump and beat the Riders, make it to the Grey Cup, and hopefully lose to uh, to a different team. Yes, I I also picked Winnipeg and Hamilton in the Grey Cup, and I am also going to stick with it. I think the Bombers, with this two QB setup, with Zach Caleros playing some of the best ball we've seen him play in a number of years, the last couple of weeks, and his numbers weren't out of this world, but he made some plays that go, yeah, he still got it. You know what I mean? This is not a knock on the Riders at all. This is just me wondering if Cody Fajardo can make it through 60 minutes of football. Like, is he is he one hit from not being able to get up? And you know what I mean? Like. That question mark at quarterback for their MOP candidate quarterback to me is is why I will lean very slightly, very, very slightly to Winnipeg. But I will say this. If Fajardo plays the whole game, 
and doesn't look the worst for wear, it would not shock me at all if the Riders win this by double digits. Okay, fair enough. I think that Cody Vajardo is uh, a very good quarterback, but he seems to have long lulls in his game, and then he steps it up at the very end. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, make it dramatic or whatever. But uh, I think I think he has to put, four, you know, a consistent four quarters together to uh, to steal this win. All right, Mike. Now it's time for the main event. The East Final here in Hamilton. Our 15-3 and three Tiger Cats. Green and gold of Edmonton heading into Tim Hortons Field. First East final that'll be hosted here since 2014, as we talked about off the top of the show. It's the playoff blackout. So anyone out there listening that has tickets that doesn't know already, wear as much black as you can to the game. They want that stadium blacked out. They did it a year ago. I thought it looked really cool. Uh, They're handing out rally towels. Bring the noisemakers. Bring the horns. Bring the cowbells. I'll be rocking mine. It's playoff football, baby. It's playoff football in the hammer. Like, I am so stoked for this game that I just wish it was Sunday already. Yeah, I, mean, I tweeted out from the Potsky account, I wish I could just sleep till Sunday because that's how excited I am for this game. And, uh, you know, watching uh, an East Final with the Ticats in it, it always, it always makes me, gives me butterflies in my stomach. So it, it can't get here soon enough. How confident – where is your confidence level from 1 to 100 in the Ticats winning this game? Oh, it's, a, it's at about an 89.74. It's um, <laughs> <That's> very specific. <laughs> very exact. Yeah, very exact. Um, it's very high. Uh, I, I, you know, I have my concerns. Uh, you know, I had my flashbacks to the East Final last year when Trevor Harris was, was tearing up Montreal last weekend. Um but, you know, like you said, Edmonton's an 8-10 and 10 team. The Hamilton Tiger Cats are 15-3. and 3. They're perfect at home, 9-0. and 0. Um, Barring disaster, the, I don't see them losing this game. I am 100% confident that the Hamilton Tiger Cats will win this football. I have no doubt in my mind that Hamilton will win this. And I will go a step further and say this game could be over by halftime. That is how confident I am in this team. There's been a lot... We've talked about it on the show before, the pessimism that kind of exists in Hamilton Tiger Cat fans because we're used to the 9-9, and 8-10. and 10. Every now and then we sprinkle a 10-8 and 8 season in there. And we're kind of used to doing well and then not doing well. And then doing well and then not doing well. We're used to the sort of middling franchise, middling teams that we've seen the past decade plus. I mean, I guess the past two decades since the last time this team hoisted the Grey Cup. This is not that team. There is nothing that I have seen this year that has me doubting whether or not the Ticats can handle the Eskimos in this one. People talk about, oh, Trevor Harris is back, and that makes them a better team. They were 6-6 six and six with Trevor Harris at the helm. He had great offensive numbers. Like he was leading the league in passing. He wasn't throwing pick, blah, blah, blah. And that was great. But just this past Sunday, they needed almost everything to go right to barely escape Montreal. Like, they won that game, what was it, 37-29, I think, something like that. They needed, and and you just look at what happened. Trevor Harris has the game of his life, 36-39, 421, TD and a pick. He only threw one touchdown. He threw for, had 36 completions and threw for over 400 yards. Only had one touchdown pass. Now, they did give C.G. Abel a couple of touchdown runs, so it's not, he did lead touchdown drives, but... You figure with that many passing yards, he'd throw in a couple more 
Touchdowns in there. I don't see Trevor Harris having that type of game a second week in a row. I know people like to bring up last year in the East Final and how we torched the Ticats. Unless I missed it, they didn't rehire Jerry Glanville to play that garbage defense he played in the East Final against Harris. I've got no qualms about believing that the defense will shut Harris down. Edmonton committed three penalties for 30 yards against Montreal. They were the most penalized team in the regular season, and they barely committed any in the East Semi. You've got to think that that'll regress back to the mean, and there'll be a few more penalties on that. They capitalized on mistakes made by Vernon Adams. He threw those three interceptions like you talked about when we talked about the game earlier. The Alouettes had the worst pass defense. I brought this up. In the league, they allowed over 316 yards a game. It doesn't surprise me. Hamilton, I believe, had the fourth pass defense, and it was under three. It was like 279 or something like that. And the, I think the big one, especially for a guy like Harris, is the Owls had the league's worst pass rush, finishing with a league-low 27 sacks. Edmonton was best in sacks allowed. They only allowed 25 this year. But we know Dylan Wynn, Ted Laurent, Julian Hauser, Garrett Davis, they're going to get after the quarterback. They're going to get some sacks. The Owls had one in the East Semi. I don't know, man. I just look at this, and I'm I'm a little tired of, of a lot of Ticats fans being so pessimistic and being, well, we can't look too far ahead. We're fans, man. And all year, this team has been proving us that they are the best. I don't see why that would change. There's nothing that I've seen from week one all the way to now that suggests that Edmonton even has a chance in this game. Well, the thing about last week with uh, Trevor Harris is they played to his strengths. You know, there wasn't a lot of long passes from him. It was a lot of, you know, three-step drop, get rid of the ball, let the receivers do their thing. You know, Hamilton's going to make the adjustments. Um, They're going to make it difficult for him. It comes to me, uh, this game is going to come down to the, the line play. You mentioned the the Edmonton Eskimos. They only allowed 25 sacks this season, um, a league low. So the defensive line is going to have to get after Trevor Harris. And, and we do have the talent, uh, the guys in the middle, the guys on the outside, to get to him. But they're going to have to do it themselves, I think. If you're throwing a lot of blitzes his way, I think Trevor Harris is good enough to recognize that, find the receiver quickly, and uh, make a positive play out of it. So, to me, the offensive and defensive lines are going to play a huge part in this game. Yeah, I I agree with that. Hamilton had eight sacks in two games against Edmonton in the regular season. Now, those were without Trevor Harris. That was Logan Kilgore. But that's like more than 30% of the sacks that Edmonton gave up. I have no reason to believe that they can't do this again. You know what? Like, you're right. You look at the games. Look at the games that they played. They played Logan Kilgore and the Edmonton Eskimos. Sure. Both of the games were close. Well, no, the second one wasn't. They won by 30. Oh, the first one was, though. <laughs> <laughs> but in the first one, that's the one where they got up by three touchdowns early and then kind of took the foot off the pedal. I don't think you see that in a playoff game. I think they go full bore. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they ever tried to put take the foot off the pedal. I no, think they, they go full bore. Sure. I think that's their thing, to go full bore all the time. Sure, but lulls happen in games. I just... The game that, yes, it was Logan Kilgore, fine. But the game played here, they, they Edmonton was never in it. And the only missing piece was Trevor Harris. Everyone else played. And everyone was going crazy about Logan Kilgore when he got in. Oh, he's, he, look at the story. And, but the guys made him look like chump change. And I, look, 
Trevor Harris is a great quarterback, maybe the best quarterback in the West, uh, like this season because of, of the health issues. I still think Bo and Riley are better than him, but that's neither here nor there. I just don't see him coming in here and, and lighting this team up. I, I, I just don't. Not not it not in an atmosphere that's going to be twenty five thousand strong, screaming their faces off from the before the opening kickoff to the games. Like this feels to me very reminiscent of twenty fourteen, except it won't be Speedy B making plays on special teams. It'll be Dane Evans finding him on bombs for big plays in the passing game. I I, I can't be anything but confident in this, Mike. And I, I can appreciate that. I think that, you know, the Ticats need to make Trevor Harris throw in the when he's in the red zone. Do not let him hand off the ball to C.J. Gable and let him plow into the end zone because Trevor Harris is a great quarterback, but once he gets in the red zone, um, he's not that good, you know, if he's trying to throw touchdown passes. So make him throw the ball. Make him throw touchdowns because he's not very good at it. I just think they're going to beat him up. And then offensively, I know there's going to be people that say, well, Dane Evans has no experience in the playoffs and, and all this other sorts of stuff. And I mean, that kind of ignores that he played at a school like Tulsa and, and played in big games in college, played in games that had more fans than will be at Tim Hortons field. And that's not a knock on, on the Ty cats or the CFL or anything, but he's played, he, he went to Oklahoma yeah. and played a game for crying out. Like they play, he played in Norman against the Sooners in front of like 80,000 people. So it's not like he's not yeah. used to playing in pressure pack situations. You know what I mean? That's well, all that, I always found that funny. Played in Oregon though, right? Yeah. Vernon Adams played in Oregon in front of a lot of people and of he course. didn't handle it too well. well I mean, but, it's just, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried about Dane because I don't know. The the mistakes have been there. Yes. The but what has he, he shown you the last few weeks? What has he shown you the last oh, he, say six weeks of the season? He's cut down on those mistakes. Oh. We don't see them as often anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, Vernon Adams made those mistakes all year. Dane Evans, we've seen progress. I I just don't think this this spot's going to be too big for him. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Um, you know, I'm I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there that this is his first playoff game. It's at home. There's a lot of pressure. They go to the Grey Cup. Um, mistakes happen. Um, he's not, you know, I know he, he has improved dramatically with the interceptions, um, but there's still you know games where he's thrown two two picks. Uh, late in the season, so you know, I just I'm just a little cautious about it, right? I'm not, I'm not down on Dane Evans. I think he's tremendous. I love Dane Evans. You know, I love him, but but you never know. You never know. You you say that this is going to be won in the trenches, and I completely agree with that. And who would you rather? Uh, let's let's take those battles: Hamilton's <clears throat> defensive line versus Edmonton's offensive line. Who do you like more? You know, I love the defensive line of our Tiger Cats. You know, guys like Dylan Wynn and Ted Laurent and Jagger Davis and Hauser, uh, they're great. But this is the best offensive line in the CFL. You know, they just don't allow that many sacks. So, um, And the, the defensive line hasn't really been getting to the quarterback a ton um, over the last, you know, six or seven weeks. So I'm not sure they're going to get a ton of pressure if they're just sending four. I take the Eskimo offensive line. Okay, flip flip the script. Who do you like more, Hamilton's offensive line or Edmonton's defensive line? Uh, I got to go Ticats offensive line. I think that's, um, you know, the combination of all those guys um, are tremendous. And, and no, that's no knock on the defensive line of the Eskimos. They got some great talent, but I'll take I'll take the Ticats O-line on that 
in that case. So who do you like more, Edmonton's defensive line or Hamilton's defensive line? I got to go Hamilton. I got to go Hamilton there. I I think they're going to get pressure. I think – and I think the way you beat Trevor Harris is you just – you don't let him sit back there and, and dink a dunk. And that's, again, not a knock on what Harris does. He did it in Ottawa to much success last year. I think this Ticats defense from top to bottom is so much better. It starts with the coaching and goes to the players. I, I just don't see any way in which – I think I think Hamilton's going to score at least twenty eight points in this, and I don't see how the Eskimos get more than twenty. Not again. How this, do this Ty Cats this Tie Cats team allowed less than twenty points a game? I don't see how they're going to give up more than that in a playoff in a playoff game. I don't. How do you take away the the dink and dunk of Trav, or Trevor Harris? Do you play some press coverage? Uh, you know, bump the receivers right off the line, so that option isn't there. Well, I think. I think Delvin Bro will take away. I believe it's Ricky Collins. I could be mistaken, but I believe it's Ricky Collins. It's either Ricky Collins or Devaris Daniels that plays the the boundary receiver position. Delvin Bro's going to take him away if they if they play man coverage. And yeah, I do I do think you bump a little bit, but I think the key is pressure because if you get Harris off a spot, I think that's when he starts to panic and that's when he can make mistakes. You know what I mean? Like he's not he's not a guy who's going to scramble. He's not going to break contain and and beat you for forty yards down the field. I think you have to get in his face, and if you can't, you got to get the hands up. You got to let those defensive linemen get, get their hands up and maybe knock down a pass or two. I think that the, the way that this works, it, it's a, it's a collaboration of coverage and pressure. And I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous and, and obvious, but I think this is one of the best secondaries in the league, and I think this is one of the best defensive lines in the league. I just, I nothing about Edmonton's offense scares me when it comes to playing this defense. You know what I mean? Okay, so you don't you're not worried about C.J. Gable and Shaq Cooper? No. Why? No. Okay. C.J. Gable and, and I just don't think that, I I think that this game will be so heavily slanted towards the Ticats score wise that the run game won't even matter. Okay, that's okay. I see that, and you know we we we're both fans of C.J. Gable, but um, he's not the C.J. Gable he was when he was with the Tiger Cats in his prime. Uh, he's still a tough runner. He can still get those tough yards, but uh, you know that explosiveness isn't there. But that's when a, a guy like Shaft Cooper comes in with more speed. Um, I think there'll be a little bit of trouble, but I'm not overly concerned. I look at the end of the day. I just look at these two teams' respective resumes, and I just go back to this is a 15 and three football team that has given us no reasons to doubt them, especially. Over the last three months, this team has lost one football game since August. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason that I should ha- that anyone. If you're a Ticats fan, I know you you hem and haw, but that that's you. You 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 don't want to set yourself up for heartbreak. I'm ready to have my heart broken because I don't think there's any way that any Ticat fan out there shouldn't be a billion percent confident in this football team. They have given us no reason to doubt them, and they're playing an Edmonton team that has, quite frankly gone between looking really great and looking terrible. That's why they are where they are. Like I said, Trevor Harris, in the games that Harris started this year, they were 6-6. Six and six. They've beaten exactly one team with a winning record this year, and that was last week. I don't know, man. I, I just don't see Edmonton. And, and this is something else that I, I think we need, to, we need to bring up. Edmonton flew back home after the East Final, and they're practicing there, and then they're flying back to Hamilton. I believe it's on Friday. 
I don't understand why they didn't stay out east. Now you got guys yeah, going. You got guys adjusting yeah. their body clocks to play in the east, and you got them back in the west to adjust to being on Edmonton time. Then you got them come back. I think that's going to wreak havoc with their internal clocks. Yeah, and I know this. I know they're back here because I I, I saw Amando Sewell at uh, at work the other day, and I mentioned to this uh, to the guys at uh, the Empire podcast in Edmonton. It did cross my mind to take out his knee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just drive a skid right into him or something. Yeah, but then I figured, oh, do I really want to go to jail? To, yeah. Do you want to get fired? For, uh, go to jail for for to to, to maybe win a football game. Yeah, game, so, quite frankly, they're going to win whether you take out Amando Sewell's knees or not. Right, and he's a very nice man, so I decided against it. But uh, I could have, I could have helped out the team, and I, I just couldn't sacrifice my freedom for it. But uh, my apologies for that. <laughs> and don't, don't, don't get me wrong. If the Ticats lose this game, I expect to have to come on here next week and eat a whole bucket full of crow, and I'm okay with that because I am tired of being the fan that. That it's not even about just believing or like have faith. You know, you get those from like we've had middling teams last year going into the East final. It's like I was hoping they'd win, but I wasn't confident that they'd win. They hadn't beaten Ottawa, blah, 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 blah. This is the best team in the CFL in 2019. And I'm just I'm just happy to be a fan of a team that we can be this confident about. And yeah, if they lose, they lose. That's sports, man. Favorites don't always win. But if they win, we're going to the Great Cup. And, you know, we're a great team and we're healthy. We're really, healthy. really healthy. I mean, yeah, there's the guys on the six-game injury list, the obvious ones like uh, Jamal Westerman and Sean Thomas Erlington and obviously Jeremiah, Jeremiah Mazzoli. But there hasn't been any injuries recently that are going to have a huge effect on this game. So, you know, in years past, we've been going into the playoffs with – key guys out like Brandon Banks and uh, it, it's Jack just Calero's been uh, a few years ago exactly so to go into this game healthy uh, is a huge deal and I believe Edmonton had two starting defensive backs that were injured yep. um, uh, in their game against the Alouettes I'm not sure what their status is but if there's two starting defensive backs out in this game I'm sure the Tiger Cats are going to take advantage of, the, of that okay Mike before we go Prediction time. You got Winnipeg representing the West. Who comes out of the East? Yeah, I got I got to go with our tie cats. Obviously, um, I think it's going to be closer than you think. Um, but uh, I'm going to say tie cats by by seven. I I think they win this by twenty. All right. I I think the tie cats go roll to the Grey Cup against the Bombers and. and like I said, I think this game's over by halftime. But we'll find out. That's why they play the games on Sunday, 1 p.m. here in Hamilton, 4 p.m. out in well, – I mean 4 p.m. this time, but out in Saskatchewan for the West Final. Best time of the year, isn't it? It is. I, I mean you just get excited for for playoff football no matter what league. And, and it's just uh, I'll have my, my balls in the in the slow cooker. and. <laughs> oh, is, know, Diana, is Diana coming over? Diana's coming over. Nice. She's my main lady, so I'm going to get the original Diana sauce out. Um, maybe I'll have a couple drinky poos. Uh, it might be going to be an early one. You know, the game starts at 11 o'clock in the morning here, so 
Uh, I got to work the next day at seven, so I won't go too crazy. But, uh, you know, I got to catch a little buzz watching this game and um, tweet out on the Podski account. It's going to be it's going to be a fun time. You know, both games I'm looking forward to. Well, the beauty is, too, the game starts at 11 there. You got to be up for work the next day at seven. Both these games will be over by like, what, seven o'clock your time, something like that. No, no. Seven o'clock my time. So it's five o'clock your time. Yeah, so I'll be all right. I think I'll plenty of you know, time have, to get some rest. Yeah, I'll get my all of my drinks through the Ty Cats game, and maybe if they win, I'll have a victory drink, and then I'll, I'll cut it off and just watch the other game. But, but yeah, it, it, there's nothing like playoff football. I wish I could be there in the in the crowd, but um, you know, one half of Podski Wee Wee will be there, and I'm sure you'll have a great time. Oh, I can't wait! Playoff football at Tim Hortons Field has been so much fun. I can't wait to add to this with with another blackout. So again, everyone, if you're going to the game, wear black. I'm I'm going to be draped in black head to toe, black shoes, black pants, black coat, black toque. My even my cowbell is black. You know what I mean? I'm just going to. Uh, I, and the weather is apparently six degrees is what they're expecting. Like that's beautiful for a November afternoon, especially after the snow we got dumped on us this week. Oh, I uh, I I can't wait for this. So bring the noise, Hamilton. Bring the funk, Mike, with uh, you out there, and l- uh-huh. l- let's get this win, and, and let's get back here a week from now talking about a great cup matchup with our Tiger Cats in it. Oh, man, I hope so. And, the, you know, you mentioned that warm weather. Uh, I don't think the, the Tiger Cats are going to have to change anything in their offensive schemes. I think they'll be able to, you know, throw that long ball that like they like to do to guys like Addison and Banks, and I'm expecting a big game from Tasker and a big play from Mike Jones. So, uh, I'm just I'm just so excited about this game, Josh. Yeah, can't wait, man. Sunday can't come soon enough. So that was Podskiwi for this week. I'm Josh Smith. I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Beat those esks. Eat them raw. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.